This is Jeff. Hey, Jeff. How you doing in Telmut? Good. How's it going? Not bad, man. Uh, yeah, do you are you ready to go? You want to just jump into it? I know you've got uh, all kinds of stuff on your plate here. Yeah, no problem. All right. Sweet. I hit it hard, man. So we're joined here for Masters Week by a, a uh, odds maker unlike any other, Jeff Sherman at Golf Ads at Golf Odds on Twitter from the Westgate in Las Vegas. How you doing, Jeff? Excellent. How's it going? It is fantastic. You know, we're all excited for this weekend. Obviously, as I know you are, you're a tough man to uh, wrangle this week. So I appreciate you giving us the time. You're basically as hot a ticket as Siegfried and Roy used to be, except for you have to do more Tiger Talk, I guess, than they even did, right? Yeah, that's what it is. It's, uh, yeah, this is a, a two and a half week process and, uh, getting all these props up together and then a lot to be talked about with them, especially since Tiger's playing so well on his recovery and you got Phil back in the mix and all these young, young golfers. So this is a, a Masters that hasn't seen this much anticipation in a long time. Yeah, it should be good. Um, I was curious more of a backstory for you. What sort of got you into golf? You know, what, created the love for you was it happy gilmore or the early tiger or what really got you uh focused on golf well it was a a love for the industry when i started imperial imperial palace back in the 1990s uh working with some of the guys that i work with now jay cornegay at salmons uh when you're moving up the ranks they're trying to teach you about the odds making process and they wanted me to look take golf on uh as a new project uh so some of the supervisors handed that off to me just their methods of booking it and start doing it back then. Uh, so I took the reins on that. And as I learned about it, and uh, I saw the creativity that you can do with it when you make the matchups, you know, everyone knows there's a scheduled NFL game each week. Uh, but when you get to golf, you can be as creative as you want and put two guys together and come up with a price. So I like that aspect of it. And I just, uh, it's just grown on me. And I actually, don't even have time to play golf myself. I'm just so busy with my schedule, but the handicapping aspect and odds making, uh, I love that part of it. So I have a lot of questions about that part of it because as you mentioned with the versatility of the matchups and everything, it's such a unique sport. All these individual sports are, but even more so than tennis and golf, you have every guy going against every other guy at the same time. So, you know, in tennis, you might be able to cover up for some mistakes you make by recovering against one person, but your mistakes are amplified in golf, obviously. So kind of, I was curious about when you're lining, you know, creating the futures odds or the matchup odds with these guys, how much sort of are you taking into account historical performance on the specific course that weekend, you know, the recent performance in uh, tournaments leading up to the Masters or any other tournament that you're creating the futures for? What kind of are you adjusting or do you really have like a baseline futures price for guys that you just tweak a little bit tournament by tournament yeah well here's the process i go through on friday when pjtour.com comes out with the entry list for the next week 
I'll take that list and just go through it and basically rank the guys in groups as far as A golfer, B golfer, C golfer. Uh, once I have that and they're finished with uh, their weekend play, I'll, t- I'll take a look at the statistics I have and mostly based on course form and current form. As a general average, I'll, I'll usually weight at about 80% current form, 20% course form, and then get into specifics. Like when you get into Augusta this week, uh, it's a lot more weighted towards course form just for the fact that you have to know where to miss shots here. If you haven't played it, that's a, a detriment to uh, that golfer. So certain courses have more weight on the course form than, than others do. But generally, like I said, 80%, 20%. And then beyond that, I'll look at some uh, situational statistics for that course, whether scrambling is important, greens and regulations, and see who's uh, in the field that might fit that even more to fine-tune what I'm looking at. Yeah, and when it comes to capping, too, I'm curious if you have any thoughts or how much, obviously, you're basically doing, you know, capping these guys as you're creating the odds, but how do you, as a capper, deal with, you know, in golf so often, it seems like guys will be on fire one season, and then they're just completely off the map, ranked up in the hundreds, you know, can't find a green to save their life. So how how would you recommend or how do you go about capping if you are trying to make plays on golf? Well, the one thing I try to look at is a consistency amongst the golfers. And you can find that more in the matchup prices than you can the outright prices. The outright markets, that's where the general public bets. And so you're going to see that weighted on how they do it. Now, the matchups, that's about 90% sharp play. So you'll often find times where you have a golfer that might be 25 to 1 that's favored over a golfer that's 15 to 1. And a lot of that has to do with how consistent a golfer is. And I'll give you an example, Paul Casey. He's one of the more highly power rated golfers for his odds range. He's usually on an average week, 25 to 40 to one, but he'll go up against golfers in the 15 to 20 to one range and either be pick him or favored because he doesn't often win. He did get a win earlier this year, uh, which has been rare for him, but he's usually top 10, top 15, just about every week. So when you're betting the matchups, that's something you can count on. So, when, I, when I'm handicapping this, I start out with the odds to win, but then when I get to the matchups, it's really a completely different market. So it, you don't see that exact correlation that you think you might find as you would in other sports. Right. So I'm curious, and you're mentioning Paul Casey for the consistency. Some of the guys, you know, looking at the uh, current odds for the Masters, obviously Fowler is way up there. Is that everyone's just gaga over Fowler this week or what? Because he always, from what I've seen in, in the mass, in the majors and other big tournaments, he tends to, seems to fall apart near the end, start bombing balls. But what what is it that, you know, has Fowler so high up the uh, futures odds right now? Uh, he's just low, just based on his public support in the outright market. You know, we just, the matchups that we got up and the one that I have right now is Jason Day against Fowler. We've seen some sharp play on day and I've seen on the market other sharp play fading Fowler. So the wise guys don't like Fowler this week. The general public really does like him because he's been close, like you said, with the history and majors. Uh, and he's just a very popular golfer week in and week out. So his outright odds are a little bit shorter than they should be based on the, the sharp play that we're seeing in the matchups. So I saw you tweeted on April 1st talking about ticket counts and then money wagered on different guys. And at that point, Fowler was had the most money wagered. Is that still the case with him, with the public backing him? 
Yeah, right now Ricky Fowler is the most in money wagered in these number three in tick account, and uh, in tick account, Tiger leads that by a wide margin. So, um, where's Tiger on the money wagered still in that top three as you had it at the beginning of the month a couple of days ago? Yeah, he, yeah, Tiger's number three. So basically, Tiger and Fowler are, are an inverse as far as the tickets and money go. With tickets, Tiger one, Fowler three, and money, Fowler one, Tiger three. So I saw John Rahm was also fifth on the money wager. Is he a big public guy recently here with his uh, success kind of in the beginning of the seasons in tournaments? Yeah, he's been popular ever since he burst onto the scene, and he had a rapid ascension from his amateur status into how well he's doing and his rise up to world rankings. And people were all over that for the past year and a half. So uh, he's popular anytime a major comes around, and uh, he's usually short on the weekly events too. So. Uh, yeah, he was number five in Ticket County. He's fallen to six. Justin Rose has just passed him in that aspect. But uh, there's just so many golfers that are so popular with the betters that, you know, it's just led to a record handle already. We still have a day and a half to go, and we've already blown away last year's handle, which was an all-time record for any golf event we booked. Wow, that's pretty sweet. So that's obviously the uh, Tiger effect, as we always talk about. Um, John Rom, do you think, so I'm a big Rom supporter, Arizona State guy. Do you think it's a matter of if, not when, he uh, gets a major? Or what do you think of Rom's game? Yeah, I think it's not going to be too too long for uh, for us to, to see him win a major. And I've liked him ever since he came on the scene. And I've supported him last year in some of the majors, which are a little bit premature. But, um, you know, it's hard to find too much value. He's drifted back out to 20-1 to 1 for the Masters this week just because there's such a compilation of golfers up at the top of the board that are 10 to one, uh, 12 to one range. So, uh, if you're like, if you like Rom now you can get some more value than he was 15, 16 to one for, uh, the past few months. And, uh, it's not going to be too long before he does win a major. So you were mentioning earlier, you set up your ABC golfer pools when you're creating those, uh, future odds who right now, if you had to, put your neck out for an A, a B, and a C. Who do you think in those different tiers you like the most for the Masters this weekend? You know, this is, this is a really tough one out of the top group to handicap because it wouldn't surprise me if any of the top 10, 12 guys won. I mean, Spieth is coming in with momentum. He finally found his putting stroke last week down in Houston. Now he's a co-betting favorite with Justin Thomas. Thomas has been fabulous to start the year just as he had won five times last year. Uh, McRoy finally got his putting stroke down after struggling with that. Uh, it's just, it's so wide open at the top that these guys, there's really not much that differentiates them. And you'll see that in the matchup prices amongst the top four or five guys is right around pick them. Uh, if I had to go with one, I did play a little bit on McRoy at 15 to one as he was winning the tournament a few weeks ago. Uh, so that's the one I'd probably start with. Uh, and if I go down the list at the B golfer, which is just right right outside that, um, I'd have to go with Casey. Uh, right now, the two that I've heavily supported this week in the outright markets are Rose and Casey. Uh, and those are two guys that I started my fantasy team with. Uh, they've been good to me early in the season. They've got strong records at Augusta. So I really think that those two can uh, hang around Sunday and give me a shot on that. Uh, a little bit down the list, you know, he might be a fringe BC golfer based on the odds this week at Augusta, but Matt Kuchar in the 40 to 50 to one range. Uh, he's another guy just outside of what Paul Casey does. He doesn't win often, but he's right there uh, more than not in top 10, 15 range. 
Yeah, he's another model of consistency. Like we were talking about Casey earlier. I like uh, Kutra. I like those Skechers ads. They usually get a chuckle out of me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I know that you know a lot of different books, the uh, Superbook included, are doing different sort of uh, challenges or whatever pools you'd call it for different events. Um, you know, like uh, March Madness. Uh, I know you guys just did a win totals challenge for uh, baseball. Have you been uh, noodling any sort of golf challenge, like maybe a majors challenge? You pick a foursome before the season from those different tiers or anything like that? Well, I think with the success that we've just had in the college basketball and the baseball ones, as far as the turnouts that we were well-received, uh, we might do that for next year's Masters. The Masters is by far the one tournament that outdoes any other major or any other tournament. So if we were to try it, it would be for the Masters. Uh, but we had such a short time in between those two tournaments and this one uh, that we really didn't have, have an opportunity to put anything together for it. And I did so much work. I got up a hundred propositions for this week when normally for past masters, I'd done 40 propositions. So I spent a little extra time uh, on preparation for this, as far as just the uh, odds making process, but that might be something we look at next year. We've talked about expanding the contest. And uh, I could see maybe a World Cup one this year and a Masters one next year. And the good news, if you come out with it, you can get one of those cutouts like uh, Jay gets in the uh, Superbook, right, with your face on there. That's just what we need. Yeah, just just to scare people out of the book is a picture of me out there. (laughs) So um, I was curious with the matchups, again, like you were talking about, you put up over 100 uh, for this Masters. When you're coming up with these matchups, are you just trying to kind of get compelling names against each other that would have fairly equal odds or what is sort of your process for deciding who you're going to match up with one another? Well, there's a few ways I do it. And I started this week with, I wanted to put Tiger against Phil together just because of the storylines behind those two and they're both playing well. So I thought that would be a great starting point. So that's one. And it's been attracting a lot of action so far. And then I try to look at guys that, um, from if I were to want to bet a matchup, then I wouldn't want to hang it myself. And just as I mentioned, Rose and Casey are my two strongest guys going in. That's a matchup that I went with, even though their odds are a bit apart. But I have Rose at dollar thirty-five over Paul Casey because they look like they have the same characteristics for this course. So I just try to get two guys together that looks like it's going to be a real tough one. Uh, and they're both consistent or they're both inconsistent uh, at the same time. So it's just I try to view it from how a sharp would play the matchups and put it that way. I tend to know which guys the sharps generally go on, which guys they they go against. One example of that is we often see on a weekly basis, if you have some of these guys that have been doing well on the European Tour and they come to the PGA Tour and they're matched up against a golfer that's regularly on the PGA Tour, the sharp players always fade the European tour players. They did last week with Shubanker Sharma. Uh, you know, he started out the season well, but uh, he was a go against with Brant Snedeker. Brant Snedeker is not even a guy that uh, I like that much in matchups because he himself is inconsistent, but it just goes to show that there's certain ways these matchups are set. And if you find a European tour golfer against a PGA tour over here, that's an automatic fade for the sharp players. So I try to think of things like that when I'm putting these together. Yeah. Excuse me. So I know I just had some questions on specific guys and kind of your take on 
when where they're sitting in the odds right now. So Martin Keimer, I'm also a Martin Keimer guy, being a German. He was another one of those guys like you're talking about historically would uh, sort of do very well on the European tour, wouldn't play as much in America, and then has always struggled historically from what I've seen uh, in Augusta. So what's he sitting at and what's your expectations for him or matchup if you have any line with him this weekend? Yeah, I didn't use him in a matchup. Uh, he's a guy that if I saw myself in a matchup, I would pretty much fade him against anybody. Uh, you know, he's just coming back one week off of a wrist injury where he missed some time. He doesn't have a good record at Augusta. He's always struggled there and admits to. Uh, so if I were to see him, I would fade him. And we're sitting at 250 to one right now for his outright odds, which is a bit higher than the European market or most places in Vegas. But there's been such minimal support for him that I've drifted his odds out that high, just trying to attract something because we're in such a strong position on him. And just based on those factors of his injury and his lack of a solid history at Augusta, we're just not seeing support for him. Yeah, if you follow his Instagram, uh, you'd think he was poised to make a run at it because he's tweeting out pictures of his caddy's work on all the different uh, booklets and yardage and everything. So maybe the wrist will be live this week. We'll have to see. Yeah, see, I uh, I faded him last week in Houston, and uh, he had a rough second round of it. So I don't see the signs that a quick recovery is on the horizon for him. Yeah, the wrist might still be bothering him. So uh, Tony Finau, I've been seeing, obviously you go to 100 different websites, you'll see 100 different articles for 100 different golfers that they think are poised to make a run at the Masters. Tony Finau was a guy who, I think it was last year, the year before, was really running hot, and then you haven't really heard as much noise from him. What uh, What's your take on him this weekend? Well, he's one of the guys I like. I can make a case for in the 80-1 to 1 range. You know, he's a long hitter. He should be able to suit this. He's had some solid results in the PJ Tour to start out with. So, you know, if he gets one of those good weeks that he's had together, uh, you know, he just doesn't have any Augusta course history here, and that's the one drawback is, he might be in position on Sunday to make a run at it, but then ultimately, you know, he needs to know where to miss. And, you know, some shots are better if you know where to miss it and not go for something being too aggressive. And I don't know if he quite has that uh, in him this week with his first time at the course. So I know it's a big week for him. I saw an, a piece by, uh, on ESPN about him and how, how excited he is to be going through this process. But, um, you know, his odds are nice at 80 to 1. It wouldn't surprise me if he's contending. I don't know if he can actually come through in the end just because of his lack of uh, experience here. Yeah. And what about, uh, so Bubba is coming off that match play win. He's been playing great at the start of the season here. What do you, what is he seeing? 16 to one, I think something like that. Yeah, we're 16 to one, mostly because of betting support. You know, we're before he won at Riviera, we were as high as 50 to one on him. And then we started seeing it drop after that. And it's dropped rapidly as he finished up with the, the match play event. Uh, the only thing about Bubba is, you know, he's got two wins here, but outside of his wins, he he's either all or nothing. His, his other performances are 30th place, 40th place. They're not that strong and not that consistent. And one thing we've seen this week, some of the matchups just, just went up on the marketplace. Uh, there's been a strong fade against Bubba Watson by the sharp batters. So based on his odds, out there in relation to other golfers uh the sharps are thinking his odds are too low and they're taking a lot of the popular golfers against him so uh i would tend to uh not expect him to continue his hot trend this week 
So you mentioned, obviously, him coming off that win that he was all the way up at around 60 and has dropped down now into the teens in the futures market. How much is that the case whenever tournament by tournament you always get just an inordinate amount on whomever is coming off the recent win? Yeah, there, there's a large recency bias in this. And you, know, you see with Tiger, Tiger gets affected with his odds after just a few holes of playing in a weekly event. But anytime a golfer does well or especially wins, when they get the win, you see a large adjustment just because of the anticipation of that's what where the betting public is going to go to. If they see a guy 50 to 1 and he just won, they think that it's not too far away for the Masters. He's got a shot to win again. Let me take that. So, you know, we'll adjust it down and we'll still see that type of betting support. And that's one thing we did with Bubba. We're seeing a lot of betting support for him at 16 to 1 range. Right now, he's fourth in ticket count. So, uh, even at the low odds, he's extremely popular. When prior to Riviera, he wasn't that popular and he was 40 to 50 to 1. So, it's all this recency bias you see in the betting market for the outrights. Right. And which seems crazy because, like we talked about, it's an entirely different sport. I think everyone's just used to what Tiger was doing before and is waiting for, you know, because. It was for years, every time a youngster won a tournament, we were trying to anoint the next Tiger, expecting this guy to win, you know, three out of four majors. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, I'm somewhat in that camp. I like to find these next young guys, too. And I've been high on Patrick Cantley. And over the past year, I've been involved with him. Now, he won out here in Vegas, and that's dropped his odds a bit. You know, and I was so aggressive with Cantley for the Masters. I played him myself at 150 to 1. I know he hasn't done much there, but he is an aggressive young player. When he's healthy, he's really good. Uh, and the market's pretty much 60 to 80 to 1 on him. But I was so aggressive early on in liking him that my odds were shorter. We didn't get much action that I'm actually back to 100 to 1 because we were in such a strong position on him that I'm looking to sell some of that off uh, higher than market, even though I do like him. But he's one of those young guys that coming into this year, I played him in the FedEx Cup Points Championship. Uh, and for the Masters at 150, knowing that wouldn't be there too long. And he was the one that I had targeted for this season. So do you, in those matchups or props, do you do yes or no to uh, make the cut for guys or just head-to-head tournament or first-round matchups? Uh, We do it all. We do tournament matchups, first through fourth-round matchups. After each round, we'll put up over-under scores by golfers. A lot of the props that I have are, uh, will they make the cut? Yes, no. Will they finish top five? Will they finish top 10? Will they finish top 20? I have about 20 or so golfers on each of those. Uh, I did some Tiger propositions himself. And will he have the lead after the first round? What's his lowest round he's going to shoot? We do winning score, uh, lowest round shot by any golfer. And then I'll even combine some golfers where I did uh, Tiger, Justin Thomas, Spieth, McElroy, and uh, Dustin Johnson, those five against the field and put up a price on that. So just try to be a little bit creative and and come up with a whole slew of things for people to wager on. So when you're, you know, lining these, uh, these tournaments or when you're capping these golfers, are there any specific stats that you're looking at that you like, if there are a few that you weigh more heavily to kind of see, possible future form from these guys? Are you looking at, you know, fairways and regulation or is there something that you really weigh heavily? Well, it just depends course to course. And the thing for Augusta, it's a shot maker's course as far as, like I said, you need your approach shots in the green are important. So, uh, you know, 
where it is is important, but greens and regulation for that, I'll, I'll take a look at that and even putting here because you have to, everyone knows you have to be able to putt well at Augusta. So, um, you know, driving isn't as key as other courses. So when I get to those, you know, look at driving accuracy, driving distance, things like that. But we definitely break those down based on the specific course they're playing. Nice. So, um, I appreciate you coming on with us, diving into the Masters. It's definitely been insightful, and uh, I'm just excited for the music this weekend and the Chirping Birds, right? Yeah, no doubt about it. It's going to be a great week, and uh, as the Masters is going on, I'll be compiling my odds for the U.S. Open. I'll have those out on Monday, so it's a lot of crossover going on this week for myself. Yeah, the grind never stops. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. I appreciate it. Jeff Sherman from the Westgate Superbook at Golf Odds on Twitter. Thanks so much for uh, your time, man. All right. Thanks for having me on. Take care, buddy. These lawyers and strings spending money like my ex-wives. Sure, I gamble and I drink and smoke three packs a day. Hell, ain't country music supposed to be this way? It's from the heart, man. I hit it hard, man. So far, man. So far. Don't lay enough, no holding back. Ain't afraid of nothing, it's a natural fact. I hit it long, man. Till it's gone, man. Keep taking chances, live it large. I hit it, I hit it, I hit it hard. I hit it, I hit it, I hit it. Hard man, how about you?